Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Dennis Haw. His last name is spelled H-A-U-G-H. And he wrote an article we're going to talk about today. The title of that article is really, Should You Fear Our Military? And it's about the shot mandates in the U.S. military. But we spoke in the past about an excellent book you wrote. The title of it is The Road to Americanism. The Constitutional History of the United States. That was December 2021. And then um, some of his earlier books are The Pocket Guide to Communism and the Foundations of Critical Race Theory. Also, Stability, Justice, and Clarity, How to Restore Social Sanity. Very important topic. And then also Dennis Hawk graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy in 1973 with a bachelor's degree in mathematics and holds a master's degree in computer science from the University of Colorado at Boulder. And he has, holds multiple U.S. and international patents. He's also a commissioned Air Force officer and has taken his oath to defend the Constitution seriously. He's also, uh, you can see his website at www.libertyreads.com. And if you're on YouTube right now, you can see his website, which is www.dhaw.com. D-H-A-U-G-H.com. And I'll put that in the show notes. But we're going to talk about this uh Still ongoing issue with this, these shots, and we were talking in the pre-show about some stats that are out there right now. McCullough, who's a known kind of uh, epidemiologist, has said that there's 99% zero positivity, which means that everybody's already been exposed to this virus right now. But there's still this ongoing, everybody needs to get shots and all that stuff. So we're going to talk more about that. So Dennis Hall, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, William. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. So for people who may not have heard our last show, can you kind of talk about kind of your books, the arc of your books? I know you're working on other projects. You're posting a lot on your website, articles, and then kind of lead up to what led you to write this particular article, Should You Fear a Military? Well, um, the arc of my books, I got concerned um, about the state of the country back uh, actually when, when Barack Obama got elected president, I was hearing things that concerned me from my time in the Air Force and having been uh, a Cold War warrior, I was an interrogator on the now, people may have heard that pronounced SEER. It's S-E-R-E. Uh, back when I went through it, the E's were reversed from what they are now. And the reason for that is that during Vietnam, uh, we would have down pilots, so it was important to know how to resist interrogation, and that was kind of our emphasis. Uh, and when we wound up in the Middle East, we determined that, you know, these jihadis are going to cut off your head so it was more important not to get caught so the emphasis on the program shifted uh properly so but nevertheless uh the emphasis when i went through we had a lot to do with interrogation which really gets into the mind games uh that go on with communism and you know we can talk about marxism communism there's all sorts of strains that we can parse but nevertheless, we can go back to the root of it as Marx's seminal works back in the 1840s. So I, at the time that I started being concerned, I thought about it, well, we've got constitutional issues that are going on. So I wrote my first book figuring that we needed to fix government. I finished writing it realized that we needed to fix society. Uh, 
And that eventually came to the point where in more recent times, I realized, holy smokes, with BLM and the traction that it's gained, we have some serious problems worried about Marxism having embedded itself in society. And obviously where they got started is in the educational system. And then there was a guy named Rudy uh, Dutchke, I think is uh, the way we would pronounce it anyway, um, is a gentleman who back in the 60s came up with this notion of the long march through the institutions. And we have seen that. And the latest thing is I was never concerned about the American military because I knew those folks. And in the last couple of years, I've realized we've got a whole new generation of leadership in the military, and it's a real concern. Right. And so can you talk about the kind of issues that are taking place right now in the military? Well, I believe you had Dana Lyon on your show a few weeks back, didn't you? Yes, I did. And we talked about her her issue in Colorado. Right. Uh, Dana is just kind of the latest person who's a victim of this vaccine mandate. Uh, she's uh, an Air Force grad like myself. Only Dana was actually an NCAA javelin champion and a track coach out at the academy. And the I'm sure if, if people go back, I'm sure you covered her story. Um, anyway, this is just kind of the latest thing where we first started to see uh, things. And it's funny, just like the educational institutions were the first place that Marxism attacked. We've we found out that they've really gone big time into the service academies. And the first casualties we saw were three female West Point graduates who refused to get the vaccine mandate. Uh, and that only goes back like about a year ago or so. I think uh, there was quite a bit of visibility of that even on Fox News. Right. And you mentioned that in your article. And that I think that you said the mandates, were, it was a specific date. Everybody had to be take their shot by 8th of November, 2021, right? Right. That was the mandate. Right. It's actually a force. That word is a nice little lovey-dovey term, but actually you're being forced to take the shot. And so people can say you have a choice. Uh, no, a lot of people don't have a choice. If your livelihood is at, at stake, you don't have a choice. So a lot of these, this nomenclature, these terms are like, highly manipulative tested terms that I, I object to. So it's really That's true. It is. It's total force. And initially when we saw the man mandate, we weren't real concerned about it because the, going all the way back to Valley Forge and George Washington, he saved the army by having them vaccinated for smallpox. And in that day, of course, there wasn't any FDA. Uh, and then when we started to look into it, uh, the general counsel for STARS had been involved with the uh, anthrax vaccine mandates that were declared unlawful and then lawful and back and forth. But the bottom line is the gist of it was FDA approval was an important step in it being a lawful order. So we realized that, well, this may be a questionable lawful order. But we noticed that it was such an insistence, we realized after the female cadets in that, that, hey, wait a minute, this is really a Soviet-style purge that's going on. And I don't want to oversell what I'm saying here, 
but it is definitely a separation from people with traditional values because the people who are going to object to taking this shot have the traditional values. And now I have to say a lot of these people wanted to just do uh, objections based upon the grounds that, hey, this is really not a good idea. And traditionally, we have our liberties, you know, push back like that. But they were forced into a corner of just doing religious exemptions, which was still legitimate. But then we also found uh, some uh, DOD correspondence where if you pull back the curtain, you found out that they did a, a hard stamp on denying these religious exemptions. So it was not a typical American uh, mandate where we could come back and say, well, wait a minute, I need an exception here. Uh, they were just hard, cold, throw people out. So we realized what was going on here and it was a purge. And in particular, what happened, the vaccine, the first people who really objected to this were, were pilots. Uh, where it first showed up was in the Navy. Um, there was a famous uh, YouTube video that went on of a Navy pilot actually smacking in to uh, an aircraft carrier on landing. And on that, you could say, well, that kind of thing happens. You have accidents. But the internal uh, word coming around, and one of the things that we always felt that the rumor mill within the military was pretty accurate. Well, the rumor mill was telling us that all the pilots now are concerned because this vaccine affects pilots very detrimentally. And you see this with the Southwest airline pilots were, were pushing back. Uh, one of the things that I understand is that we could lose up to 700 pilots in the air force due to this mandate. Wow. I think that yeah. the Southwest pilots pushed back, successfully i don't think that they were forced to take the shot if i remember correctly uh, um i you know yes yeah, success is not black and white right so i believe you're right in in the general case we could say that they were successful but still it, it's the situation we're in is we have these people who want to force stuff that makes no sense on people who are really detrimentally affected by this up to the point where it could lead to death. Right. But also, do you think it's intentional that they know that these people, largely religious, Christian, uh, that they they know that they will reject the, this forced shot? And that's, that's what they really want is to get them out. That's the real intent. There are a lot of us who just don't see that there's any other answer from everything that we looked at. Uh, we'd like to not believe that, but there's no way that we can draw another conclusion. Right. And if, if they don't accept, then they're, they're, you want the people who say, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, all the way through. So we can get rid of the people who are the grumblers by forcing this uh, shot on people. Right. And then we get rid of them. Now we've got all the people who are going to do exactly what we want. Right. Yeah, that's that correct. That's correct. And it, it, and the thing is that if you have people like that, you get things like, I don't know if your listeners would remember me live from Vietnam, but it was a, a tragic case where really U.S. soldiers uh, behaved criminally and, and killed a, vil a village, basically. Uh, and that's what you get if you have just these yes, sir types that do know... Uh, 
actually checking to see if this is legitimate or if it's actually a, um, a very terrible criminal act. So, yeah, and that's that's what it looks like is going on. They don't want people that have a moral compass. They want people that will just do as they're told with no moral compass whatsoever. Right. And then so then that also you're getting rid of a certain segment of the military that is helping you prepare. So you're actually degrading the effectiveness of the, the military branches. Would you agree with that? Very definitely. Uh, first of all, you're losing people that are trained. Uh, but not only that, you, from what we've seen, you're actually getting rid of the, of the best people, the people that have the capability of having an independent thought. And if you look at the history of war, wars are normally won by people who are innovative. And those are the people we're getting rid of. Right. So you're getting rid of kind of innovators, but this is all very important considering a lot of this, the threats that are, that are now like we've already had this whole Taiwan situation. So you're getting, you think that there's probably this, this, uh, the Marxist ideology has something to do with all this. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, with any arc of history, it depends upon where you draw the starting line for this. Like I just mentioned, the, the service academies, and that was where uh, it started. Well, if we go back to 2016, uh, there was a uh, West Point grad who graduated. I don't know if you ever saw the pictures, but under his wheel cap, he had a statement that said communism will win. And then he opened up his uh, shirt and he had a T-shirt, Che Guevara T-shirt underneath it. Well, that that graduate was eventually run out of the service. However, where he wound up with his pro-communist look was actually he was a, a an NCO in the army and spent time over in, I believe, Afghanistan. It may have been Iraq, but I think it was Afghanistan. And I read what his father had to say. Uh, which his father was actually uh, a Pennsylvania Republican. And he said, you know, I think his name was Sylvester Rapone. Uh, anyway, when he uh, went into the army, he said, you never could find a more um, patriotic uh, kid. But he said he came back from uh, Afghanistan changed. And the change was that he, he had been inculcated into a Marxist philosophy. And I have to say that in like 2012, I was working out at Schriever Air Force Base, actually on and off in a skiff. And uh, the guy I sat next to was a retired Army major. And I was shocked to find out that he was uh, a globalist. And I picked up on a hint of um, a Marxist undertone. Now, he's a nice guy and everything. And, and that's one of the tricky things about this is just because somebody's a Marxist, it's not easy to read that he's not as nice as he appears or she appears on the surface. So there's actually been a long time that we've been having this Marxism creep in to the military. And I was totally unaware of it uh, until some of this later stuff started to percolate up.
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think it's crept into the entire government. So a lot of this outlook, and you said, Skip, that's a what? Sensitive compartmented information facility, right? So that's... Uh, yeah, special sure. compartmentalized information. Um, it's basically, it's very secure. I'll just put it at that. Um, and and um, anyway, that's that's just one anecdote where, you know, in hindsight, I see that. I didn't see it at the time. Right. And so, I mean, I think that the, what's what's curious about this whole jab forcing is that people thought maybe I'll just take two, but they're intending to just jab every two months or six months now. Like they pushed, they moved the goalposts over these last two years. Have you noticed that? Yes. And that's what they do. It's all about control. It's control. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And they've had bad things in the past. I remember the whole, I think it was the Iraqi war one or something they jabbed people against anthrax and a lot of people there was bad reactions to that um those shots i don't know if you remember that so it's not yeah yeah you know i'm not one to really get into conspiracy theories but the problem is anymore when you look at things that the wef is putting out and some of the feedback that comes back from Africa in particular, you really have to raise an eyebrow as to what's going on. Um, you know, it goes back to Bertrand Russell in the 50s saying that there are too many people in the world. And then, um, you know, all this climate change stuff, which uh, a book that I shelved, I actually had done a lot of research on climate change uh, and being a STEM guy, you know, computer guy, what I found out in short order, the only evidence, and I'm putting that in scare quotes, evidence that they have of climate change is computer modeling. And now one of the things that Randy Larson asked me to write a few years ago was an article to explain computer modeling to, uh, you know, the normal I say normal person because we computer nerds, I wouldn't exactly say are normal. Um, but anyway, the bottom line is computer models only have, they suffer pretty quickly from a thing called for, forecast uh, degradation. And to see what that's all about, all you have to do is watch the projections of the past for hurricanes. Uh, they're constantly updating, constantly changing, you know, just like the weather forecast. Now, there's no difference between those forecast models for weather and forecast models for climate other than the time horizon that you're talking about. So just instinctively, as the farm boy I grew up, I have to actually ask the basic question, what makes anybody think that they can project out 100 years more accurately than they can tomorrow? So... But anyway, I did a more extensive dive on that, and I, I never found anything that refuted that. So climate change is a big hammer that's being being used uh, to justify a lot of this stuff that's going on. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's been discounted. I mean, the, the whole climate change uh, carbon dioxide thing is is a joke because the sun hits the ocean there's no way you can stop that that's the biggest producer overall you'd have to just block out the sun it just from a scientific background it just the, the climate is obviously variated but yep. uh, 
human human man-made global warming is a farce. It's it's totally fake. They just put aside, set aside for John. Um, what's his name? They put something like a billion, multi-billion dollar slush fund for. Can't even remember it now, but did they just did it? The government, the Biden administration, just did it. So they are, um, they're moving forward on that. That's another means yeah. of social change. Social engineering is is this fake climate change? It's well, it's all it's all favoring China. Um, but the thing is, the whole CO two thing uh, it, it goes back to 1876, where a guy in a lab came up with a theory of. Oh, well, maybe heat causes an, uh, an increase in CO2, but there's uh, the Nobel Prize winner in physics from 1974 is a Norwegian named Ivar Yaver, and he points out that if you look at it, the way that people deduce uh, correlations is, is through statistics, right? And the we can definitely see that there's a correlation between CO2 increases and heat. But the problem is nobody's ever determined which is which. And Ivar says that the historic record, and he's looked at a lot of it, is that actually CO2 levels don't cause heat. It's the other way around. It looks like the heat is causing the CO2 levels. So when you look at that, what can you say? They're... It's settled. If this is just a huge social engineering from the UN to get the herd to change and break down. And I mean, uh, Al yep. Gore's been totally discredited. That whole inconvenient truth is totally fake. They faked stats. They faked so many things. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you've been keeping up with what's going on over in Europe with the farmers over there. I have. I've, I've tried to. Yeah. Sri Lanka, yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 The Netherlands farmers have really been standing tall. Um, I haven't caught up with what's going on there recently, but I know that uh, the Italian farmers threw in and then the Spanish and then I think the Polish farmers. So it's basically a farmer revolt going on over there, but they don't right, have a choice. They don't have a choice, but they're using climate change as an excuse to grab all that land and kick off the small farmers. They want to centralize all that stuff. So that's right. Totally it's totally fake. And they're attacking fertilizer. Right. I mean, it's all just this other kind of new. We're kind of like in a non-kinetic warfare phase right now. It's not the obvious kind of World War II where there's easily drawn lines. It's now it's a different form of warfare. It's like corporate uh, institutional structural warfare. And I, th I would say that that's probably ties into this whole purge of the military is that that's really it. It really is a form of warfare. I wish it, I wish I could say that it was just some kind of political thing, but I do think right. that uh, yeah, it's ideological warfare. Well, it's posturing. And, and by the way, if you look over in the Netherlands, it, it has turned kinetic uh, a, a bit. You know, they've shot at tractors and you can see the bullet holes in the tractors and that uh, the police have over there. It, it's pretty ugly. Um, but as far as the military goes, like I pointed out, you know, if, if you listen to Biden, he's definitely drawn a line saying that 
those of us on the conservative side of the issue are the enemy. Yeah. So what's that say? Because he's the commander in chief. So you've got to worry about what kind of direction he may give to the military. Um, I think you it, definitely do. I think you definitely do. I mean, that soul of the nation speech, that Nazi speech was really horrible. Like you could substitute MAGA Republican for Jew or black or Italian or whatever, whatever ethnic group we want to go after. But it was all that. That was totalistic language, non-negotiable. You're the most dangerous. And who isn't danger? The old school Republicans, the old entrenched Republican uh, people who are going along with the whole program of, you know, vote fraud and all that stuff. So that that speech was very telling. Uh, it was, and and the thing that's concerning uh, is, is if you look at what I've written about here, the thing is that there's been a lot of talk about. Uh, force readiness is being negatively impacted. And, and what I wanted to do with this article is say, hey, wait a minute. Force readiness, that's if we're concerned about an external threat. And now, obviously, the leadership doesn't seem to be concerned about that external threat. But if you listen to the rhetoric, they're very concerned about the internal threat. So what are the ramifications of that? And again, I don't want to raise a conspiracy theory here, but I do want to point out that this is a concern. And Thomas Massey was actually brought up uh, in his, um, I think he was raking uh, Austin over the coals, even turned around to his uh, Republican uh partners and said, hey, when we take over the House, which I think is a big assumption at this point, but anyway. It is an assumption, yeah, very much. Yeah, uh, you should never count your chickens before they're hatched. They're doing but, it. I just heard Rand Paul do the same thing. He I know. Same thing. It's like, you don't have any idea how much, how many new ballots and vote fraud they're going to engage in in 2022. Who knows? Oh, that's a whole nother subject, William, because, you know, I was called as an expert witness in Denver back in December of 2020 because I took a look at the engineering behind these voting systems. Uh, and uh, recently, I mean, I haven't been involved with the Lindell crew in that because I kind of pulled away from the election integrity stuff uh, to go and and address this military stuff with stars. But uh, the thing that came out of that, there was a, a red team guy, I think his last name was Pratik, basically validated everything that I uh, brought up in my report that I wrote when I looked at all of the engineering behind the, the uh, voting systems. And uh, the bottom line to this is these voting systems are less secure than the average person's PC. And I'm not saying that with with any degree of glee or anything, but it's a matter of fact. Uh, and there's more to it. And that dhaw.com website that you have there, there's a blog on there that's, uh, let's see, what did I call it? The report on, uh, let me look it up, report on U.S. voting system requirements. And uh, one of the things that came out of it when I looked at it, and Pratik said the same thing, the root problem here is the whole HAVA, which was an act of Congress in response to the hanging chads in 2000s and, and the re 
resulting EAC. This stuff is just horrible. And, uh, you know, I go into it in, in a depth that I believe people can follow. But there is nothing good about these voting systems. They're just garbage. Aren't they and, just made for fraud? Isn't that the intent? Is that people can create fraud? I, I, mean, I, I have never gone that far, but I have talked to a tester at Dominion Voting Systems who swore that uh, the whole idea was fraud. And now he worked hand in hand with a guy named Eric Coomer, which I think you've probably heard of, right? right uh, yes, yes. Yeah, Joe Altman exposed him. And, of course, Dominion is, was uh, based, all of the uh, computer work was being done here in Denver. Uh, now, the Dominion headquarters is in Toronto, and they are actually on the same floor in the same building with uh, George Soros's. Uh, uh, I think it's his Freedom Frontiers Open, or whatever his... Open Society or something one one of those uh, nonprofits, and uh, just as an aside, uh, there's another company called CGI uh, that's headquartered there in Toronto. That is uh, a five minute walk from from that building, uh, and CGI Federal is a, a subsidiary that was involved very heavily in uh, the Steele dossier and, and the Mueller investigation. Oh my God. And, and the lady who is currently the president of that company, her claim to fame was that she got Dominion voting systems into California. Wow. There you yeah. go. You can just make the election. So they did sketchy things. They had the recall of Gavin Newsom, had millions of votes or people you know, had to petition to get it done. And then like they used the systems and he ended up winning like far, you know, right orange County. People were like, this is preposterous. This doesn't even, this doesn't make any sense. Like orange County's solid, you know, Republican. Right. Right. It's just well, stuff, yeah. the only thing I can say, um, I can't go so far as to say that there's definitely fraud uh, baked into this thing. Uh, but I can definitely say it, these things are really uh, susceptible to being used to commit fraud. And so uh, something like the 2000 Mules uh, video, that's showing it, it, there's good old-fashioned fraud that goes on kinetically. And what that's doing is that's the way that you feed in the data that you can then use to commit the fraud. Now that said, there was one thing, a guy named, um, what was it? Lee? Uh, oh, I forget his name, but uh, my buddy, Dave Clements down there in Otero County, New Mexico had uh, a, a session where with the uh, com County commissioners down there. And I, th I think the guy's name was Lee Fenberg or something like that. He was involved in the uh, uh, Michigan um, aud vote audits. And uh, one of the things that he brought forward was in the Michigan Supreme Court election. And this got my attention. He found, discovered there was a file that was there that I was unaware of uh, that uh, it looked like it was, it looked like, I can't swear to it, of course, because I haven't seen this stuff, 
but it looked like what this was is it was a control file for a thing called uh, rank choice voting. Okay. Which are you familiar with rank choice voting? No. Can you explain that? Yeah. Rank choice voting is you don't just vote for one person and the majority wins or the plurality wins. This is you vote for two or three or however many. And then there's a scoring that goes on and whoever is ranked wherever, uh, you know, it's used largely for the filtering. Like you guys have the jungle primaries out there in California, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's similar. Uh, and, and to a degree, you could argue that the whole um, electoral college kind of works on a ranked choice voting, uh, but not exactly. You know, they're just kind of related. They're not straightforward uh, elections. Anyway, this looked like a control file, which ranked choice voting, there's no way, no how that ranked choice voting should be in any of these election systems uh, in, in this in things like the Supreme Court election. Uh, now there's there's state circumstances where they actually are legitimate to do that. For example, on electing judges or county commissioners, depends upon how the law is written. Uh, but ranked choice voting is fundamentally there for HOAs. Uh, so anyway, he pointed out, well, that seems strange that that file was there. And that kind of raised a red flag to me because people talk about how the votes wind up going backwards, which, you know, that's kind of questionable whether that really happened just because of the way uh, uh, the Edison feed reporting is. I've never been 100% sold on some of the stuff that you hear in, in rumors on that. But anyway, the existence of this file and the fact that it flipped the, the Michigan Supreme Court is a big eyebrow turner. Uh, and I personally believe that these things are just usable for fraud by people who understand how they work and know where all the weak points are. Uh, so I would never go so far to say that this stuff was written specifically with that in mind. However, I wouldn't put it past people that developed it to put purposeful weak points in it that then could be used later. And we just don't know what those are because they raised the flag of uh, this stuff being their intellectual property, which right. is just baloney. I mean, these systems are used by the people. The people should have total transparency Absolutely. on these things. It should be developed by the people. They shouldn't even use it. You know that uh, India has 1.2 billion residents and they just still use paper ballots because they're they're auditable. They're easily auditable. You can just go yeah. read all the ballots. Here they are. Done. Okay. Yeah. So well, we, there's we no reason. worse system than India. Yeah. Oh, well, one of the things this gentleman down in Otero County pointed out is, wait a minute, we can just take and, and read the, the ballots in as PDFs, post them on the, out on the web, okay? They can be um, unalterable, and then we can go through and post-process those images and get these counts. We don't need a system that in real time is doing this determination. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, the biggest uh, problem that we have with uh, election fraud is that we start reporting uh, the, the current results before the election voting is shut down totally. Right. And, and why, 
And why are we doing more than one election day? That's ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot of problems there. And they, they, they shouldn't have more than one election day. That's what they did in 2020. Just wait. You know, we're not going to call it for Trump. We're not calling for Trump. Just wait. And then all those votes came in from fraud boxes. It's unbelievable. Um, but they had you had problems in Colorado. I think somebody there, the, the Secretary of State, or somebody went oh. in and, and deleted the records. So there's that's not just the fraud having to do with the vote, but just the, the, the auditable trail. There's there's a lot of problems. So that tells you a lot. Somebody has to go in and go, nope, deleting that whole thing. Well, Colorado is actually ground zero for election fraud because Dominion was here and became a major player. Uh, there's more to the puzzle. There, uh, one of the um, companies that actually was supposed to rubber stamp uh, the software for these EVMs is right up there, a, a few blocks away from Dominion. Uh, it's called. It's a company called SLI. Uh, and I actually think I know a couple guys that work there from my time at Lockheed Martin. But anyway, um, yeah, there's a lot of problems. Uh, the, believe it or not, Dominion was foisted off on the world, not by Democrats, but by Republicans. Uh, we had two secretaries of state here, uh, Scott Geisler and Wayne Williams. Scott introduced the idea of Dominion but he didn't shove it down everybody's throat. Wayne Williams, on the other hand, who is currently one of our city councilmen here in Colorado Springs, and people are trying to recall him here, um, which it's a little late in his term and he's running for mayor, but this guy has got to be the most corrupt uh, individual I've seen personally. And he, he's the one who forced dominion on the state of Colorado. And then other states saw, followed suit. Um, and, and he, he rabidly defends that he's putting out commercials right now with Jenna Griswold, which is our democratic partisan hack of a, of a secretary of state currently. And, and it just makes me want to throw up because it's like two secretaries of state, uh, just it, anyway, um, the thing I think you're referring to is Tina Peters, who is, was the uh, county clerk for Mesa County here. She actually brought an image of the uh, uh, Mesa County um, election system to Lindell Symposium up there in South Dakota and created a big hubbub. Um, now, there, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that went on that's kind of iffy, but um, the bottom line of what came out of that is Griswold, with no constitutional authority, removed uh, Tina as being a county clerk and inserted Wayne Williams to take her place. That happened. Wow. Crazy. That's amazing. Dennis, do you, uh, we're at the 40 minute mark. Do you have time to take a few questions? Sure. I Ask away. From Joker asks, I'd be interested in hearing your all's thoughts on the new arm of the DOD space force. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, well, <laughs> like anything else, I, I don't know if anybody, well, probably nobody alive would remember that uh, the whole missile thing was a tug of war between the Army with Rocket City down in uh, Alabama versus uh, the Air Force, getting the ICBMs and the Air Force one out on that. 
Uh, Space Force is a similar kind of tug of war. I'm not sure if the die is cast on that or not, uh, but we definitely need a Space Force. Um, I, I won't, I can't go into detail, but there definitely is a cause for concern. Um, a lot of the investment that we make uh, in in the area of space right now is there's so much space junk up there. We just don't want our satellites hitting them. However, the Chinese are putting up killer satellites in that. Now, if you like using your cell phones and things like that, one of the things you might be concerned about is what would happen if our uh, satellite network got hit. It, the uh, effects of that are pretty monumental. Right. And another question is from, let's see, Oswald asked, do you have any thoughts about the work of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I think you wrote that book about Fauci. R.F. Kennedy Jr. is an honest man, and that's a rarity these days. Uh, we seem to, especially somebody who comes from a family uh, with the history that he has, I, I have nothing but good things to say about him. You know, nobody's ever 100% right, but he's doing his darndest to be right. Did you read his most recent book? The Real I have the Real Anthony Fauci. I have not. It's on my uh, it's on my list. Is there anything you word 40 minutes? Uh, I have another interview in about 15. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed in this uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I just invite everybody to go out to libertyreads.com and, and check out uh, everything that I've got out there for pointers. Um, the books that I've written stand uh on the shelf right now because the constitution is will always be well hopefully will always be with us and the, uh, the first two books were very constitutional uh the pocket guide to communism i really hope that people will start to circulate that because it's only a 45 minute read and i tried to give uh very important background information that people need to realize in particular i wrote that to be read by young people so they get a better handle on what they're actually contending with. Gotcha. So, yeah, you've got those different books. You can see the Pocket Guide to Communism, Road to Americanism, Stability, Justice, and Clarity, and then you've got all of these other um, articles on your site, dha.com. Uh, oh, and on that, on that, William, I, uh, you know, those two articles that I mentioned right before we went on, Grudge Justice and the Offense Principle. Those are very foundational articles that I would like people to read. Great. And so people can check that out. So I'll put those links to all of your material and website in the show notes so people can check that out. So again, Dennis Haw, H-A-U-G-H. And we talked about the jab, forced jab in the military and its consequences. So thanks so much for your time. Uh, thank you, William. I appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Stay there.